It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for listening. As you can hear, I have a replacement mixing board. Yes, it has come through the Zoom L8. The uh, the last one apparently broke. <laughs> I don't know why. It broke on Friday, so there was no show. I do apologize for that. Um, but I feel like I kind of made up for it because I did like a two-hour live stream Thursday night. Maybe that's what broke it. A two-hour live stream Thursday night where we discussed the Capitol insurrectionist activity so on the docket today we've got the insurrection we got the censorship and we have double standards all coming up first thank you to the patrons who help make the show possible patrons such as lou and grant ashley sarah and barry patrick shan joseph dan brian and john thank you very much for the support couldn't do the show without you the show is made possible by patrons and if you want access to exclusive content uh, and the merchandise and such you go to the pete click on the link at the top of the page there uh, where it says uh, get exclusive content and uh, that'll take you to the patreon page uh, also today's show presented by growers hemp uh, these are North Carolina farmers that raise hemp, and they set up uh, a, basically a company, a co-op model to say, you know what, uh, let's control the whole process from the seed all the way to the shelf. Because there were companies coming into North Carolina after CBD products got legalized, and there were these companies coming in, and they weren't uh, they weren't above board. Let's just say, let's say it that way. Uh, they were not. And so these farmers said, you know what, let's do this the right way, protect farmers, uh, and actually, you know, give a viable option for uh, family farms in the state to be successful and help us on our wellness journey. So I take CBD oil, I take growers hemp, full spectrum hemp extract, I take a couple of drops before I go to bed, and I sleep more deeply than I ever have before in my life. I actually sleep fewer hours now because I don't stay up tossing and turning all night because, well, because my mind never shuts down. Um, some would argue that it never actually starts up, but I'm telling you, like I lay in bed and uh, if for my most of my life, I would lay in bed and my mind wouldn't shut down for like an hour. So now I don't have that problem anymore. So go to growershemp.com and use the promo code Pete and get 20% off and by controlling the whole process like growers hemp does uh that means better quality for you and lower prices right growershemp.com and as with all cbd products here's the official disclaimer these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by fda approved research and these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease and nothing i have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider so Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Oh, my goodness. All right. All of that to say <laughs> it's, it's CBD. Good grief. Um, so I got to say it all, though. Growershemp.com from North Carolina farmers to your home. Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. All right. So a lot to get to today. Let me start here. John McCormack. Um, and this is all under the category of what happened and who is to blame. Uh, and uh, I, if you caught the show on Thursday, um, I, 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 I'm laying blame at a lot of people's feet. There is not there is not one person, despite what you will hear from a lot of our friends on the left, there's not one person that is to blame. Okay, There is a lot of blame to go around in this. Mostly, I blame the people that engaged in the riot. Just like I did with the Black Lives Matter Antifa riots, just like with the Proud Boys, just like with the neo-Nazi Klan, right? If you're going to go out and you're going to look to commit violence and then, oh my gosh, I found violence. I have zero sympathy for you and I lay the blame at your feet. So if you committed the violence when you were out at the, quote, rally that turned into a riot, then you are to blame. If you're throwing rocks through windows or bricks up against police officers' heads, you're to blame. You're the baddie in that situation. You. Okay. So, that, first and foremost. Next, then you have all of this uh, 
this desire on the left is uh, to, you know, blame people uh, who uh, were not there but said some stuff that the lefties didn't like, and so they're going to say, you incited this violence. And by the way, as a uh, an employee at talk radio stations for the better part of 20 years, I am well aware of this knee-jerk reaction that a lot of our friends on the left have to immediately want to blame some individual that they coincidentally already do not like and disagree with their politics. Uh, they want to blame that person for something that went wrong. Any kind of a shooting, we are all aware of what happens. Any con- Anytime there is a shooting, automatically there is a rush to uh, talk about, what, taking Second Amendment rights away from people. There is a rush to tie it to conservative philosophy or policy. Uh, right? There's a, tie, uh, there's a rush to tie it to the Tea Party. There was a rush to tie it to Trump supporters. And then usually what happens is you find out, oh, no, actually, it was a Bernie bro who was trying to assassinate half of the Republican leadership at a baseball field while screaming, you know, this is for Medicare or something. And uh, then it's like, oh, okay, well, now uh, words don't incite violence. We're just going to memory hole that whole situation. And by the way, if you think that uh, last week's insurrectionist activity had nothing to do with this kind of double standard that has been building for a decade, maybe probably longer, probably Um, you're kidding yourself. This is all connected. You cannot, you cannot keep telling people that what they are seeing that they're not seeing, right? You can't keep gaslighting people and expect there not to be some kind of a reaction at some point. They are seeing this stuff. They see your double standard. They, we, I will put myself in this category because I see the gaslighting. I try to call it out as often as possible, and I get accused of what aboutism. It's not what aboutism. It's the demand for an application of a consistent standard. I said it last week. I will say it again. If you were not condemning the rioting, the looting, the burning of cities, the the abandonment of the rule of law, if you were not condemning that every time it happened over the last year with these riots and demonstrations that descended into chaos, if you weren't condemning that, you have zero valuable opinions on what happened at the Capitol now. None. I don't care what you have to say. Zero interest in listening to somebody come along and say, oh, well, this is terrible. Well, what about all of the other insurrectionist activity over the last year? Where were you for any of that? Oh, those were your allies. So you just you just hushed up. So you didn't want to condemn your own allies because that's more difficult to do. It's very easy to condemn the people that you have already condemned to right to, to attack the people you already hate. That's hard. It's much more difficult to criticize your allies because then they may not like you anymore. And then what team am I going to be on after that? Like if I start criticizing my own team, they may not like me anymore. And then where am I? You're in the wilderness. Oh, my gosh. And that's a very powerful motivation. Peer pressure is powerful. Look at what's happening with the big tech companies. What do you think they're doing right now? It, they're caving to the peer pressure mob. It's very easy to do. OK, now, yes, there are people inside of the big tech industries that are probably more uh, nefarious minded. Right their Their motivation is suppression and total control. But for the most part, most people are whipped up out of ignorance and passion and peer pressure. And look, that's the same thing that happened at the Capitol. Now, there were people that were there, obviously, with plans and intentions, but there were a lot of other people that were just there and they got swept up, right? That's what some of them are saying. And that's that's what some of the folks said over the summer when all of the protests were breaking out and the riots and such. They say they got swept up in it. So I get that. But these are the same arguments. That's why I said if you had nothing to say before when it was your allies, then I don't care what you have to say now when it's your opponents. All right. Next up, Josh Jordan. He cites an ABC News Ipsos poll that 67 percent of Americans blame Donald Trump for the attack on the U.S. Capitol, with 33 percent saying he does not deserve much or any blame. I think he does deserve some blame, by the way. Now, among Republicans, only a third believe Trump is to blame, while two thirds believe uh, he does not deserve much or any blame. So this problem isn't going away It's because 
you have this idea among most Americans that Trump is to blame. And then uh, you have the complete opposite, the inversion of those numbers when you look at only Republicans. John McCormack says uh, it's pretty clear that QAnon played a central role in inspiring the siege of the Capitol. The leader of the mob that breached the Senate was wearing a Q T-shirt. That is true. The Proud Boys were there. They apparently are really connected to uh, what transpired. The QAnon moon bats, they were all over that, all over it. And for folks who have listened to me for any period of time, know what my opinion on QAnon is. Did you see the video over the weekend? Alex Jones from InfoWars ripping QAnon conspiracy nutballs uh, and the whole th- this whole patchwork system of idiocy, right? Ripping them. And when you've lost Alex Jones, <laughs> when your conspiracy theory has lost Alex Jones, you might want to reassess whether it has any connection to reality any connection to reality but the QAnon people were all in on it they were all in on it and this is this they they're making arrests now okay law enforcement is making arrests and I'm sorry but you know to break the news to you here that uh when you are of the right the alt right the QAnon right the populist right and and you engage in illegal activities like this you don't get the lefty treatment Okay, there is a double standard here. If you were rioting around with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, you probably would not face repercussions, if any. Uh, I've gone over many, many, for many months, the, uh, the lefties that riot and engage in violence, when they are even arrested, they usually get the charges dropped against them. It's nice. It's the big D shield. Right. It's the big D shield that they get, that they enjoy. So folks on the right that did all of this, you guys are screwed. They're going to throw the book at you and you're going to go to jail because that's the standard by which you're held. Okay, so the arrests have already begun. The perps are getting charged, which I support. See, I have a consistent standard. I wanted charges pressed for the violation of law when the lefties were doing it. And I want charges pressed against people who were violating the law in the exact same way. I wanted I want charges pressed against the righties for doing it. Right. Sorry that, you know, a lot of our institutions don't agree, but that's my standard. And I will continue to support that standard. I continue to espouse it. Here's the guy you see in the picture of the guy who was like hanging down off of the balcony inside the Senate chambers. And I guess he dropped down onto the floor there, right? And everyone's like, oh, is he dressed like a like a, a Trumper? Or he looks like Antifa. And that was just based entirely on the fact that the guy had like a helmet on, right? He had some sort of helmet. And so he obviously couldn't be a Trump supporter. Well, actually, yes, he is. Boise, Idaho native Josiah Colt. Yeah, he put out a statement CBS 2 News has it. I'll tell you what it says in a second. First, I'm going to tell you about Rowena Patton because uh, we are buying our house. Christy and I, we are, we're actually building to suit. So there's a development that's going in and, you know, you get to make some changes here and there, but you get some floor plan choices. Um, but, it, you know, the, the houses are all, you know, like one of a half a dozen models or something. And so we've never done this before. And Rowena told us things to ask and to look for. We never would have known. We've bought houses before but we've never done a build to suit with new construction. So put her and her team's expertise to work for you. If you're buying a home or selling a home, she and her team outsell 99% of the realtors in the entire state of North Carolina. Call 333-4483 or go to her website, mountainhomehunt.com. That's 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So here's the statement from Josiah Colt, the man who uh, jumped down off of the balcony into the Senate chambers. He says, I love America. I love the people. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't cause any damage in the chamber. I got caught up in the moment. And when I saw the door to the chamber open, I walked in, hopped down and sat on the chair. I said my piece. Uh, Then I helped a gentleman get to safety that was injured. And then I left while in the chamber. I told the other protesters that this is a sacred place and not to do any damage. Some of them wanted to trash the place and steal stuff, but I told them not to and to leave everything in its place. We're still on sacred ground. 
And uh, he says, I sincerely apologize to the American people. I recognize my actions that have brought shame upon myself, my family, my friends, and my beautiful country. In the moment, I thought I was doing the right thing. I realize now that my actions were inappropriate, and I beg for forgiveness from America and my home state of Idaho. My intention was not to put a stain on our great country's democratic process. Uh, he put up a video as well um, during the uh, the protest. He said, I just got into the Capitol building and I hopped down into the chamber. And then he said uh, he was sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair, uh, which wasn't actually true. He was sitting in the Senate chamber. And so that was the chair for Vice President Mike Pence. But, you know, whatever details. Uh, he has since deleted his social media accounts and he is in touch with a lawyer, which he is going to need. <laughs> um so it is clear to me who is behind this. By the way, BuzzFeed News, this is interesting. You know there's a connection here with BuzzFeed. So I mentioned this on Thursday after the, uh, after the storming of the Capitol. Um, there was a guy in there named Baked Alaska. That's his social media name. And I forget, I think his real name is like Giado or Jadette or something like that. Anyway, uh, this guy used to be a BuzzFeed guy. For real, BuzzFeed, the leftist doxing website, right, used to do the listicles and stuff and viral videos. That's where Baked Alaska learned how to do the, you know, viral social media uh, videos and such. He learned the ropes at BuzzFeed. And then, whoops, he became an alt-right lunatic. <laughs> or maybe he was before. Um, and by the way, this is why people like me were arguing against allowing the alt-right to have any kind of a seat at the uh, the conservative slash libertarian slash Republican table, okay? You don't want these people around your movement because they're lunatics and they're racist and they're actually not conservative at all. They're usually statists. They want government to just do different things. By the way, that's also some of the problem right now with the populist movement. I'm not a populist, okay? And maybe that's why my show has always sounded a little different than some other talk radio hosts have sounded. I'm not a populist. I don't like it. I don't like mobs at all. In fact, I really kind of hate them. I've covered enough uh, protests, you know, as a reporter over the years, the Occupy Wall Street people. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of what happens to people when they get into uh, uh, mob scenarios. Mobs are going to mob. And that's what we saw at the Capitol. It's what we've seen with the Black Lives Matter, Antifa stuff. And so when you when you organize protest marches and rallies, right, there is a responsibility on the organizers and the, the leadership of that effort. Th there's a responsibility to make sure that people don't get hurt, that it doesn't descend into chaos, what have I always said about democracy, right? It's four wolves and a lamb voting on dinner. Who do you think wins that vote? That's what democracy is. It's mob rule. I am opposed to it. Always have been. But BuzzFeed, they went and talked to the black Capitol Police officers. And those cops will tell you exactly who was to blame because they were right there, the uh, targets of the racialized abuse directed at them. The first glimpse of the deadly tragedy that was about to unfold came at 9 a.m. on the morning of the insurrection for one black veteran of the U.S. Capitol Police. But it didn't come from his superiors. Instead, the officer had to rely on a screenshot from Instagram sent to him by a friend. I found out what they were planning when a friend of mine screenshot me an Instagram story from the Proud Boys saying, quote, we are breaching the Capitol today, guys. I hope you all ready. The officer asked to remain anonymous for fear of retaliation. Um, he said that officers found themselves unprepared and outmanned and overpowered by the mob. The officer said that while the department's upper management had been telling them to prepare for Wednesday's storming of the Capitol uh, like they would prepare for any other protest. But that Instagram post sent a message that was pretty clear to this cop that uh, this was not going to be just some sort of a free speech protest. He says this was going to be a fight. Okay. BuzzFeed News spoke to two black officers who described a harrowing day in which they were forced to endure racist abuse, uh, much like the uh, black cops did at virtually every 
Antifa Black Lives Matter protests, <laughs> which doesn't ever, it never really got the coverage, but it's, this one's going to get the coverage. Sorry, guys, double standard yet again. This is what it's like to be on the right versus the left, is that when your alt-right uh, racisty protesters go and start hurling the N-word at cops, that's going to make the paper, okay? On the left, same thing, racisty leftist uh, using N-word during their riots, n- not, not so much. Y- you're not going to get that kind of coverage. Because it, well, because it it doesn't make for a neat story. You're going to have to use more words to describe something and explain why there is this uh, obvious paradox going on. And like, I don't have time for that. I want to talk about something else in my limited column inch story. You know, that's the, like that's a real pressure. By the way, you got it. When you write, you have to take things out. When you do a broadcast, when you do a television news story, when you write news, you have to decide what stays in and what goes out. And stuff that makes it more difficult to explain, the more complex a topic becomes, the more likely it is to get discarded because it's complex. A lot of times the reporters don't even understand it all. Anyway, the officers say that they uh, that their managers had downplayed and not prepared them for the events. Uh, they had all been issued gas masks, for example, but management didn't tell them to bring it that day. Okay, well, do you need to be told to bring gas masks? Why? Okay, I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. It just seems to me like if... <laughs> if you've got this massive rally coming and you know Antifa is going to show up because the Proud Boys are there too. Both of these are both groups. Like I don't have to choose to be in favor of one of those sides. I can just be rooting for injuries. Okay, I'm not, all right, I'm just joking. That's the old axiom. I'm not calling for violence here. It's the old joke, like, who are you rooting for in this contest? Like, well, I don't really care about either of them, so I'm just rooting for injuries. You say it in, in you know, sports and stuff like that. And I know it's gallows humor. It's bad taste. I'm not espousing violence, as I've just outlined uh, earlier in the show, right? I'm not espousing violence. I'm just saying I don't like either of these sides. I'm not going to hook up to either one of those groups. And you can't make me. You can't shame me into choosing Antifa. Sorry, guys. I'll tell you, though, I am not sorry to recommend to you my mattress. I mean, not my actual mattress, because I sleep on it, and I do not want you sleeping in the bed with me. Um, You know, it's just, it's a king size. My wife and I, we fit in it perfect, and we don't need anybody else there. So uh, if you are interested in your own king size mattress, then you need to get over to Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com is the website. Uh, It's the MLK Day sale, actually. You can get a split king mattress. You know what a split king is? This is, all right, so you got, you know, for king size mattresses, you have the two, you have twin box springs. So you have two box springs, you put them together underneath and you get the big mattress and it goes on both of the box springs. That's what Christy and I have. We have a memory foam. We love it. However, you can also do the split king, which is basically two of the top mattresses now that are different. So you can basically mix and match. You can customize your mattress. So maybe you want a firm mattress and your significant other does not like a firm mattress. You can both get the mattress you want. How about this? An adjustable base for each side as well. Then one side raises the head up, one side raises the feet up. So you can be completely comfortable without messing up your significant other's sleep, right? They can be comfortable, you can be comfortable. And if you can't agree, you can't compromise on a feel, you know, firmness or uh, softness or whatever, or, you know, head up, feet down, like you don't have to, you can have your own with the Split King mattress. Stop by Mattress Man stores, save a bunch of money, and maybe save your marriage. Hmm? Also, 14-inch hybrid queen mattresses for just five seventy eight. dollars and you get your choice of firmness there as well. Go to Mattress Man stores. They've got four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide, and they have local five-star delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Website, mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So mobs are going to mob. This is the This is the theme. Right. Of all of these protests that occurred over the years with the Black Lives Matter and Antifa and Occupy Wall Street, uh, as well as the one that occurred at the Capitol, mobs are going to mob. This is what they do. Okay, 
This was, and this is according to the officers, two of the Capitol Police officers, that was a heavily trained group of militia terrorists that attacked us, said the officer, who has been with the department for more than a decade. They had radios. We found them. They had two-way communicators and earpieces. They had bear spray. They had flashbangs. They were prepared. They strategically put two IED pipe bombs in two different locations, one at the RNC and one at the DNC. And uh, the guy went on to say that these were uh, these guys were military trained. A lot of them were former military. The officer even described coming face to face with police officers from across the country in the mob. He said some of them flashed their badges, telling him to let them through and trying to explain that this was all part of a movement that that was supposed to help. This was going to help. We were telling it, by the way, we don't know if these were actually cops or not, you know, flash a badge. Maybe you bring it in order to impersonate an officer. I don't know. But it could very well have been cops there. Well, you know, beating other cops with the Blue Lives Matter flag. <laughs> it's just insanity. We were telling them to uh, to back up and get away and stop. And they're telling us that they're on our side and they're doing this for us. And they're saying this as I'm getting punched in the face by one of them. That happened to a lot of us, he said. Okay? You cannot say that this was Antifa. You cannot say that this was Black Lives Matter agitators. These were leftist agitators. I do not deny the possibility that there could have been some leftists that were among the group. I know of one, and, and there could have been others. But at the end of the day, go back to the original premise here, which is you are responsible for your actions. Okay, And if some leftist Antifa thug is going to convince you to attack a cop with an American flag post, well, that's on you. That's not the Antifa guy's fault. You expect it from him, right? The tortoise and the scorpion, he's the scorpion. What does that say about you, right? You were the one that did that. Okay, And it's the same standard, by the way, that I hold Antifa and the leftists to, okay? Antifa, by the way... They went and did a show of force march through New York City. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. They're all uh, they're all dressed in similar gear. They all got their black gear on. They got their riot shields. They got their helmets and uh, and body armor all, you know, they're all kitted up and everything. And look, just because they look like an army and just because they engage in violence and just because they call for the tearing down of our political and economic systems, right, that doesn't mean they're insurrectionists like all of the Trump supporters are, like 70 million Americans, every Republican, every Trumper, everybody. See, see, that's the standard that's at work right now. And I abhor it, by the way. I abhor it. Um, and this is, and I recognize this too, let me say, I recognize that I am in an increasingly small minority. I recognize this. I do. I recognize that there is a growing number of people on the right who are no longer interested in listening to people like me tell them that we should have a principle, that we should have a standard of not using mob violence in order to intimidate, harass, uh, or you know, threaten or engage in violence in order to achieve policy aims, that that's what the left has been doing. We should not follow suit. And there is an increasing number of people on the right that disagree with me on that. They, they, they think I am being naive and I am unilaterally disarming that I... Um, that I'm ignoring the fact that when one group of people keeps escalating the violence, <clears throat> then at some point they have to be put down with violence too. They have to be met with violence. There's no other way around that because we're relying on people in the media and government and big tech, right? We're relying on these people who are of the left to come to our defense, and maybe and maybe I am tilting at windmills, and I recognize that. I do. Maybe I am. Um, that we're asking them to adopt our standard. We're asking them to adopt a universal standard that you condemn all the violence, that you don't look the other way when it's your allies, and you prosecute the people who are engaged in it. You shun them. You don't give them cushy jobs at universities, you know? If you blow up a bomb in the U.S. Capitol, you don't get to ever teach at a university in America. You don't get a position of influence and prestige because you engaged in terroristic activity. Okay, that should be a standard. And the left does not abide that standard, by the way. They just don't. And um, 
Uh, Bill Ayers, for example. I mean, that's one. Rosenberg's another. Like, there are there are tons of examples. They get pardons. They get pardons. They get cush jobs. What was it? There was one here. Uh, who is it? Rosenberg, I believe, who's now one of the uh, one of the chair of the Black Lives Matter. Here, here it is. Um, do, 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 yeah, it was Susan Rosenberg. Um, she got a pardon from Bill Clinton, and she's now a board member of the Black Lives Matter network. And she planted a bomb outside the U.S. chamber, the uh, Senate chamber, to kill Republican senators. And she's now on the board of directors at Black Lives Matter. So when you tell me that you are against insurrectionists and insurrection activities, then you need to be against it. Otherwise, you're a liar. And you're just using that false standard, that lie, to convince me not to do what you're doing. Because you think what you're doing is actually going to advance your cause. And if I start doing it, then you may lose. Right? And this is this is the cycle of violence. This is how it keeps going. Because at some point, people say, you know what? Talking doesn't work anymore. And I'm a big believer in talking. <laughs> As anybody who listens to the podcast knows. Right? This is what I've been doing. And I've said it for many years. Right? Politics is the last stop before violence. If you cannot engage in the politics, then violence ensues. And I want to avoid that. And if you can't engage in the policy discussions and disagreements rationally, intellectually, honestly, if you can't do that, then you don't belong in the political discourse. You don't belong in the arena. And uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the arena that disagree with me now about that. They do. They just disagree. And maybe I'm naive to think that I can convince somebody or somebody's to agree with me. I'm not going to stop trying, though. I'm, I'm not going to stop trying. Um, in the meantime, though, if you're looking to pick up some Kevlar, Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus just got a bunch of Italian military Kevlar helmets. Um, these are solid pieces of equipment. Great price. The kind of body armor uh, that sells out really, really, really fast. So make a point to get over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde uh, on Main Street. The shop is open Monday through Saturday, and it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, of course, 24-7 at the website, oldgrouch.com. And remember to tell them that you heard it here on the show. Look, I can be prepared while preaching peace. <laughs> I am, by the way. Like, that's... You, 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 you preach peace but prepare for war, right? Like, that's the idea. And there are a lot of people that are doing that right now. Tim will tell you at Old Grouches. Tim will tell you that. He's seeing people that are getting all sorts of prepared. He's got first aid kits, by the way, too, which is a great investment. Anyway, um, Eric July, I think is his name, he says, more people have been assaulted and or killed in result of the uh, post-George Floyd protest. More property has been damaged. This isn't even up for debate or dispute. These are the facts. Blue check marks, government officials, and companies either excused or justified these actions. Heck, they painted murals on the streets for these folks, right? Hey, congratulations, you destroyed half of the downtown business district. Now let's give you a Black Lives Matter mural on the street, right? Show them what they've won. The Trumpers are not going to get a mural, by the way, guys. That's not going to happen. Um, so he says, uh, yet there was no call to remove people for inciting violence. The game has long been rigged. They know they're hypocrites. They know this has everything to do with political slants. They just don't care. Decentralization is the only answer at this point. Decentralization is the answer. That's federalism. I'm a big believer in federalism. Which is why I'm not a fan of the mob. I'm not a fan of populists. I'm not a fan of that that kind of mentality. You know, I don't like the idea that, oh, I'm going to whip up a whole bunch of people and I'm going to march on something. And I'm going to get my way. I don't like that. I don't like it when people organize this stuff at city council meetings and they show up all wearing the same T-shirts or have the same script. Right. I don't like, you know, transit can't wait, as they would always say at the uh Asheville City Council meetings, right? They would show up in yellow T-shirts at Charlotte-Mecklenburg school meetings. Like, I, I don't like it. 
And maybe that's just my personality. I'm a contrarian like that. I just, <laughs> I don't like, you know, when there's this whole mob of people all looking to go one way, it's like, yeesh, I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Andy No, who is, um, has been documenting Antifa activities for a very, very long time. Uh, he pointed out how in Portland the other night, after the, uh, after the insurrectionist, what are we calling this? The Capitol insurrection? Is that what they're calling it? The sacking of the Capitol? Um, I mean, because it has to have a brand for like the coverage, right? You got to you know, like Operation Capital Sack. Dun, 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 dun. It's got to have something like that in today's media culture, right? So um, overnight, a mob of Antifa from Portland descended on the suburb of Tigard. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, uh, they tried to break inside the local police department. Again, not insurrection. It's not an insurrection. See, when you storm a police precinct uh, and try to take it over, uh, that's not insurrection. You try to take over a state capitol, you storm a state capitol, you take over entire city blocks, creating a whole new, quote, autonomous zone where you're in control and you police it with weapons and murder people that cross you, right? right? Not insurrectionist activity, okay? Just for the record, that's not insurrection. I mean, it it would be insurrection if they were Trumpers but, or Proud Boys, but see, not insurrection because they're not Trumpers. That's, that's how that works. Um, they smashed up nearby businesses. This was the fourth Antifa riot in Portland, in the Portland area since New Year's Eve. So four in eight days. So about every other day they're averaging in Portland. Good job, guys. David Pacman, that's his name, um... He said he is of the left. He says, we'll never get apologies from the right wing nuts. But should we push for them? Uh, should we push for them? The apologies from the left wingers who claimed in 2016 that in practical terms, Trump and Hillary would be the same. See, so now they're he's going after progressives or or liberals, I guess he's going after people on the left, Democrats who said Trump and Hillary, no difference. Right. That they would be the same. So now he, he want he's he's trying to exact uh, uh, apologies from Democrats, anybody on the left, because, you know, those right wingers, they're never going to apologize. You know, we didn't get any apologies from you guys when you sacked all of our cities, right? When you guys engaged in your violent insurrection over the summer, uh, there, there are still no apologies and you are still engaging in it. So I don't expect there to be apologies. See, this is the, this is the cycle of violence. I don't know how you get out of it. I, I don't know how we get out of this. All I can do is keep espousing uh, a standard that rejects it. That's all I can do. And unless we're joined, honestly, unless people like me are joined by influential people of the left, I don't think this changes. I don't think it improves. In fact, I think it gets worse because more and more people are going to feel like they are being targeted. And honestly, they kind of are. They are I, I, like I. I don't know what else, what other conclusion I can draw when I see uh, what's going on with Parler, for example, with the with these tech companies taking out Parler. And by the way, no, it's not. It's not for the reasons that they say. It's not that oh, they use this. You know, this is where all the extremists are, and these are the people who are you know plotting the violence. You know where that actually happened it was on Facebook. All right, I'm going to get into that uh, as well. Uh, first, I want to tell you about Travis Fain, who put out a tweet. He is a reporter at WRAL, and he says, I want politicians to understand not everyone knows that you are BSing, especially when you do it over and over and over again. As Kurt Vonnegut would say, we are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful what we pretend to be. Mm -hmm. I agree with Kurt Vonnegut. I do not like the fact that Travis Fain leaps at the opportunity to rub every right winger's nose in what happened and to blame every uh, politician about uh, of the right for what happened as well, because that's what this was aimed at doing. And he linked to a piece, by the way, from Ron Brownstein at The Atlantic, where he was talking about Republican extremists inciting insurrection, and it's their rhetoric that caused all of this. See, it's always... Travis always finds the moral imperative when you when he can dunk on a righty. That's usually how he rolls. And so I pointed out, you know, when you you got people that are out there 
that uh, accuse the right of uh, being a racist because they want school choice. And, well, you know what? That's just rhetoric. No biggie. And uh, when you say defund the police and folks on the right say, well, you actually should not defund the police because you do that and it creates a breakdown in society. You need the police in order to you know, maintain security so, you know, economic activity can occur under the umbrella of security. And no, 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 we didn't really mean defund the police, just a slogan, and they get a pass on that one too. When they scream no justice, no peace for years on end, marching through the streets and storming the North Carolina legislature. No, they don't really mean no justice, no peace. I mean, they're not saying no peace equals violence, right? They're not saying that. No peace just in a in a, in a philosophical, esoteric kind of a way. See, it's it's... It's more of a concept. It's an idea, you know, like Antifa. It's an idea. It's not a thing. See, so when we say no justice, no peace, and by the way, we'll determine what justice is or is not. So if we don't get it, we will be engaging in the no peacing. See, that's just rhetoric. It's just a slogan. Why are you getting all upset about this? Right? Punch Nazis. And everyone we don't like is a Nazi. What could go wrong with this philosophy? Right? And when people on the right were pointing this out, where was Travis Fane? Nowhere. He wasn't calling this kind of rhetoric out. He wasn't saying anything. Hey, guys, you know what? Maybe it's not a good idea to espouse violence and then, you know, broaden your uh, definition of who fits into the category of a Nazi, including everybody that has a different policy position. Like, probably not a good course to take. People like me were saying not a good course to take, but nobody cares what I had to say because I'm not of the left. So, I'm just being, I'm, they just look at me as, oh, you're just attacking your opponent. True. Fair enough. Attacking my opponent. Sure. Easier to do than attacking my ally. I think I've spent quite a few hours, though, so far on social media and on the podcast here and in the live stream attacking allies who are giving quarter to the kind of uh, uh, violence that we saw at the Capitol. It's, it's inexcusable. It's unjustifiable. And no, Antifa's not to blame. I don't know how any other way to say it. I want all the people who were engaged in that activity to be arrested and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, just like I wanted the people on the left. So I'm consistent. I, I'm sorry I don't have, you know, weekly examples that I can weigh in when it comes to right-wing violence like this. I'm sorry that maybe the Proud Boys need to be burning more cities down so I can keep condemning it, so I have an equal number of condemnations or something. It's not my fault that the vast majority of the violence that's been going on in uh, in America over the last year has been all from the left. Sorry. Now, I know people on the left are like, that's not true. The Proud Boys have been doing stuff too. Right-wing militia violence is real. I'm not saying it's not. And when the right-wingers do stuff that ends in death and violence, then I condemn that as well. I'm not a fan. I am, however, a fan of General Equipment Rental, and you will be too. All you got to do is give them a chance. Go to General Equipment Rental there in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, and they're family-owned and operated for three generations, and they've got all the tools that you need for whatever size project that you're looking to complete, whether you are a contractor and you just need to pick up a piece of equipment for one job, uh, or you are a homeowner and you need some tools or something for a job. And maybe you're not sure, like, is this the tool that I need? And maybe you want to test one out. Um, like, uh, do I really need this tool for this project? And then would I want to buy this tool if I'm comfortable using it? That's a great way, you know, test it first with a rental. See if you need the tool and can use it in other applications. Um, but if you know you only need it for one job, you just get it for the one job and then you bring it back. It's such an economical choice. And the folks at General Equipment Rental, they're going to tell you how to use the tool correctly because they don't want you breaking their tool. <laughs> but although they want you to make sure that, well, they also, yes, they really don't want you breaking it, but they also want to make sure that you get the job done right. And so, you know, get it, get it done right the first time. You'll be happy, and uh, they'll be happy that you didn't break their tool. So keep this in mind, general equipment rental, and for all of your equipment and power tool needs, they've got lawn and garden equipment, construction to earth moving to scaffolding to power drills. Oh, and also, if you're thinking about buying some equipment, they are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So go check them out at generalrents.com or go on into their showroom 
again in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. GeneralRents.com, General Equipment Rental. Think outside your toolbox. So the claim that this app that is a competitor to Twitter, it's called Parler, the, the idea that this is some sort of a risk, that Parler is a unique risk to public safety, is a lie driven by politics. This according to William Jacobson at LegalInsurrection.com. He writes, Democrats and their tech oligopol- oligopoly, oligopoly? Yeah. Friends are drunk with Internet power, whether Parler survives or not. Politicized Internet repression by tech oligopolies are making the national atmosphere more toxic. The takedown of Parler, currently in progress, is one of the most chilling and ominous signs that this country is heading to a very bad place, a lot worse than we have seen. Parler is the main alternative to Twitter for Trump supporters and conservatives, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes by force after being shut down by Twitter. Famous conservative media personalities have flocked there, and Parler apps were near or at the top of both the Google Store and the Apple Store downloads over the weekend. That trend accelerated after Twitter permanently banned Donald Trump. Okay, So as soon as Twitter did that, then you saw this mass exodus of people deleting their Twitter feeds. Twitter was also purging people, and Parler was picking up a lot of those users, okay? Legal Insurrection has a uh, has a Parler account. It has 10 times the number of followers as our Twitter account, even though we've only been at Parler since last summer. Yet Google and Apple now have removed the app Parler from their stores. So you can't uh so you can't find it to download it if you don't already have it, you can't download it. I have it. I'm over there. Um you can go to the website. Well, actually, no, you can't do that anymore either, because after Twitter did it and then Facebook or uh, Google did it, then along comes Amazon Web Services, the largest corporate hosting service. It gave Parler 24 hours notice that it was going to terminate hosting services and that effectively removed Parler from the Internet. This is collusion. This is monopolistic activity. Okay. Parler's other vendors then became afraid to help the company, including Parler's own law firm. This is part of a tactic that we have seen develop for years where lawyers and law firms are pressured not to represent controversial conservative causes and people. But of course, representing Al-Qaeda members at Gitmo, uh, Gitmo that is just fine. Uh, but uh, conservatives, no, you cannot do that. The pretext for singling out Parler is that some people have posted threats there which is a violation of Parler's policy. There is no claim that the riot at the Capitol, though, was coordinated through Parler. Nobody is making that allegation. Violent rhetoric, including threats against elected officials and police officers, flooded all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Okay, this The, the threats of, around what happened last week, they were all over the place. Even the president of Media Matters which is rabidly anti-conservative. They point to Facebook as the main organizing site. Twitter has had a long-standing and pervasive problem with threatening conduct and uh, threats, so much so that Amnesty International calls it toxic Twitter. Okay, So this idea that Parler is some sort of a unique threat that had to be shut down, that's a lie. Twitter and Facebook were far more responsible for fomenting the violence that occurred. Yet here they are piling on against Parler. If you have spent any time on Twitter, it is a cesspool of hate and conspiracy theories, particularly related to the so-called Russia collusion story. The notion that Parler is worse is a fabrication. Facebook has deep problems with terrorist groups organizing on its platform, so much so that it deletes millions of pieces of terrorist information a year, and it still can't keep up. Jacobson goes on to say later in the piece that the claim that Parler represents a unique risk to safety is a lie and it's driven by politics, exploiting the justifiable national outrage at the Capitol Hill riot to purge political rivals through unprecedented collusion among the Internet oligopolies, furthered by isolation tactics to cut Parler off from legal and other services. All of this was predictable, he says and has been coming steadily down the road. Collapses, it is said, happen slowly 
and then very suddenly. And so it has happened with the collapse of internet freedom through the domination of a handful of companies that control the flow of information and whose platforms are indispensable for political discourse. This really is a key. Again, I'm not a fan, I am not a supporter of repealing Section 230 of the Telecommunications Private or Protection Act or whatever it was called. Like, uh, I'm not a fan of repealing that, uh, that clause that gave birth to the internet. Okay, I want to see some protections put in place. I'd like to tweak it. I'd like to amend it. I am not for repeal because there are Democrats that want to repeal it because they don't think that these companies are doing enough. They Democrats want more of this. This is what the modern day Democratic Party is about. Okay, they want to suppress and eliminate all speech that they disagree with. And we saw it coming when they were talking about speech being the same as violence. Right. That your words literally make me unsafe, that your words are violence. And once you accept that lunacy, this is the natural path. This, of course, is the natural outcome. Why? How could it not be? Right. On December 14th, William Jacobson cautioned about the merging of the Internet oligopolies and the Democratic Party and the need to shift the focus after the election was over. Uh, away from contesting the election and instead to, you know, organizing, because this is where the threat would be coming from. He said at the time, the merging of the Democratic Party and the high-tech oligarchs who control the flow of information is one of the most serious threats non-liberals have faced politically. They will hit the ground running. Will we? Well, they just hit the ground running. This is, here's a great example. Lila Rose, she's the founder of Live Action, I believe. Uh, She's a pro-life advocate and activist, and uh, she wrote on Twitter the other day, abortion is violence, and she was met with a response from a doctor, Leah Torres, MD, this is violent rhetoric. It is objectively false and meant to incite others to commit crimes against clinics, patients, and healthcare providers. This is what domestic terrorism looks like, right? This This is the standard they want to implement. Matt Walsh, conservative writer, points out that for any conservative stupid enough to still not understand what's happening here it is. The goal is to label all of our ideas violent and incitement and then to forcibly prevent those ideas from being heard. If you do not oppose this now, you are worse than useless. Patricia Morgan wrote that they just hit the ground running using the Capitol Hill riot as the pretext. And it is a pretext as demonstrated by singling out Parler, seeking to deplatform it from the Internet and destroy it, even though liberal darlings like Facebook and Twitter are far more toxic. And then there was this. There's a website called Not The Bee, which is uh, a, a play off of uh, Babylon Bee, which is a you know parody news website. And Not The Bee, uh, they engage in parody as well. But uh, I thought this was a perfect example. Instagram took down one of their posts, not the bees post, took it down and labeled it as violence and incitement. Okay, this is that's why they took it down. What was it? It was a screenshot of Twitter's trending topics. Right. So you go on to Twitter and you look up the search feature and it'll show you all the topics that are trending right now on Twitter and not the B took a screenshot of it, posted it on Instagram and Instagram took it down, saying that it was violence and incitement. The irony is beautiful, they said. Meanwhile, there's another competitor to Twitter called Gab. They say that they have been backing up every reply to Donald Trump's tweets Uh, For months now, they call this project the liberal hate machine, and it conducts uh, it conducts sentiment analysis to detect threats of violence, slurs and more. There is a lot. It is searchable and it is about to be released. And that's on Twitter. That's a wrap for the episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Talk with you later and don't break anything while I'm gone. 